Refuge Bible Fellowship. Uh, before Pastor Raw comes up this morning, we have a few announcements to go over just to make you aware of. Uh, coming up in March, I know it's a month or so away, but uh, we need to get prepared for it. The youth retreat, our annual youth retreat is coming up. Uh, that is such a blessed time for the youth. For um, Gosh, I remember if you grew up in the church, if you went to a church that had youth retreats, those are the things that left the impressions upon your hearts and your minds. Remembering going up to the mountains or out to the beach or camping with, with the youth of the church. Um, Long-lasting memories, memories that encourage you. And so we have that for, for those uh, youth 7th grade through 12th grade coming up March 18th through the 20th. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. Uh, they will be going up to the mountains. Um, the cost for that, there is a cost uh, that'll pay for uh, the room, the, um, the food, and uh, the event uh, supplies and things that are going on. The, the actual cost for that is $130. So I know it's a, it's a big cost, and that's per youth. Uh, however, uh, if you remember, we had some uh, youth events uh, here in the church where they sold uh, goodies and things like that, uh, ice cream and chocolates and cookies and things. And all of that added up to the point where the new cost for the youth that have been involved in that, that stood behind the table, that did the labor, isn't it fair that they should reap the benefit of that? That's only fair, right? In fact, the word says that. Do not muzzle the ox, the word says. Let it eat the grain as it treads out, as it works. And so we have a new cost for the youth that have participated, that have labored and have worked, and that new cost is $70. So amazing, the cost has been cut in half. God is faithful. When we serve him, he is, you cannot outgive him. Amen? If you guys experience it, you cannot outgive God. So the youth have worked hard all year long for this and the events that they have planned. So again, that new cost is $70. Uh, there is a $25 deposit that's required uh, by next Sunday. So if you can get to the back table today or uh, by next Sunday and give that deposit, uh, that way, uh, your use place will be held, uh, and then the remainder will be announced when that is finally due. Um, also, for the youth, we have a youth night coming up Friday, February 18th. Uh, more details will be coming, but just uh, parents mark that in your calendars, uh, February 18th, and we'll get you those details. I'm sure a flyer or something go out with your youth um, as far as what they're going to be doing and where they're going to be going, if there's any cost to that. So uh, if you do have any questions and you really want to just head it off, you can see Chad and Jamie. They're up here in the front. Uh, or have your youth take you to Chad and Jamie if you don't know who they are. And they'll give you some information on that. Uh, this Saturday coming up, we have an opportunity to get out there and serve the Lord. Uh, if you've never... Um, uh, serve the Lord in, in, in this church. I'm sure you've served in other capacities in other ways. Uh, but if you desire to, to give a little service to the Lord, I uh, want to invite you out next Saturday to the Hands and Feet Ministry as they go to Cambridge Gardens to deliver food and encouragement uh, to the, those that live in, uh, in Cambridge Gardens. So if you want more information on that, it's going to be next Saturday the 13th at 8.30 a.m. You can see George and Ruby uh, after church, and they'll give you the information as far as where you're meeting. Um, if you're a little wondering what they do, again, you can see them for all that information. If you don't know who they are, just see me afterwards, and I'll point you their direction. Ben, have you done it? Did you get signed up for the women, for, for the women, for the couples dinner that's coming up? 
If you haven't, today's your last day, guys. Guys, I don't want you to come to me later and say, hey, I got in trouble because I didn't get signed up. I warned you. I warned you to get signed up. Today's actually the last day. So if you haven't gotten signed up and you intend uh, to bring your wife to a, a, a wonderful dinner, uh, I would encourage you to go to the back table today and get signed up. Um, please don't call Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday and, and ask to put your name in there because we actually have to give the caterer the amount uh, of people that will be attending. So uh, really today is that last day to get signed up for that. So please go to the back table. Uh, the day is going to be February 11th, 6.30 p.m. here at the church. Uh, the cost is $60, so it's not too bad. Um, it's going to include the meal, great fellowship, and a word uh, by pastor. Uh, so get signed up for that this afternoon. And last announcement for today, we have our foundations class afterwards. Um, you know, every, every good, strong building needs a deep foundation, doesn't it? Your homes, you all live in homes or apartments or some sort of facility that has a strong foundation to it, right? And an earthquake comes, the winds blow as we've been experiencing this week. They're firm, they're strong. And in the same way, a church needs a good, strong foundation. Things cannot just run by the, by the, on the fly. It takes a deep, strong foundation in order for that to, um, to, to be a strong church. And so uh, if you have never taken our foundations classes, they're really quick. They're really easy. They're one hour, uh, three uh, days um, every Sunday from today until the third Sunday of the month here. Um, come on out for that. Uh, there is a sign-up. You can go to the back and sign up for that. I want to encourage you, if, if Refuge is your home and you've made that decision, um, get signed up for that. You're going to learn a lot about who we are as a church, about the foundation of our church, um, and, and then also have the opportunity to share a little bit about who you are uh, with the leadership of the church. So I encourage you, get signed up for that in the back, and that will be meeting, if you are signed up, today at 11 at our youth suite, which is directly uh, in the rear of our building here across the way, uh, probably around uh, 1050 or so, you'll see people walking out the back and heading over that way. Uh, if you're not sure and you want to be pointed out in that direction, let me know and I'll point you out to that youth suite. Uh, with that, go ahead and stand up, say good morning to your neighbor, and Pastor Raul, come up and give us the word this morning. Well, good morning. <clears throat> it's wonderful to be here with you this morning as we um, have just been introduced to a new song uh, that was written uh, by our worship team. And it's just, uh, it's wonderful as the Lord does that work in and through uh, the various ministries, uh, we see the fruit of that. And, uh, and remember always um, the fruit that comes from serving the Lord is always there to bless others. Um, others benefit from that. The church is strengthened by it. And in fact, it's encouraging, isn't it? 
when we see the fruit that comes from the different ministries or individuals, what that, that does for us is it encourages us to do more. That's why it's important for us to come together in fellowship. Uh, as, we, as we know, the writer of Hebrews in 10, 24, and 25 uh, reminds us that we are to, to fellowship even more so as we see the day approaching. But there's a purpose for us coming together and fellowshipping, and that is to stir each other up to love and good works. We need a good stirring every now and then. In fact, I believe uh, more and more as we see the days that we're living in, we need that more often. We need to gather together because what happens is as we get inundated with all of that garbage, and I say garbage because it's the deception of the enemy that's trying to steal our attention and steal us from uh, serving and honoring the Lord, um, and we remain in that, what we become is self-centered. We get full of ourselves, and, uh, and we start to believe that the, the world and everything revolves around us, and we forget that it's all about the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? So that's why it's, it's vital, it's important. God knows what he's talking about when he says, we need to gather together. And as we gather together, we see these fruits, these different things that are happening. And we think, oh, that is, that is so awesome. God is so good. And we, we give him glory together. We can't shut up, right? We, as we, we sung, we, we, it didn't, we didn't say we won't shut up, but We won't be quiet. It was, it, was a, it was a milder version of it, right? <laughs> Same thing, though. We won't shut up. We won't be quiet. God is worthy of our praise, and we need to come together and do that. Well, I'm excited this morning to continue through the Gospel of Mark. We are in Mark chapter 4. And uh, the title of this morning's message is How Things Work. How Things Work. You know, I love how Jesus, uh, in the first portion of this chapter, uh, gave the parable of the sower, or as we uh, referred to last week, the parable of the soils. He not only gave the parable to a larger crowd, but he also gave the explanation to his disciples. And then he continues, as we will learn this morning, to speak in parables. He was teaching in parables. It's an earthly illustration or an earthly story of a heavenly truth. And so that's what we're going to continue to do this morning. But, but I love this because we can, we can teach in very practical ways heavenly truths. We can take the things around us and help people understand something that the Lord has for us and desires for us to understand spiritually. You know, as a child, did you ever have your parents or a teacher or a coach or an uncle pull you off to the side and explain to you how things work? Or maybe a, a boss or a really close friend will pull you off to the side and tell you just how things really are. They didn't ask you what you thought because somehow they just figured out 
he didn't know. They were very confident because he knew what they were saying was true. It wasn't up for debate. They didn't ask you for any input. It didn't matter if you agreed with it or not. It didn't matter how you felt about it. It didn't matter how it made you feel. It was simply a statement about how things work. It was a a statement, a declaration of truth. You know, as as Ethan shared the devotion for communion, he was talking about a declaration, a proclamation. It, It was a commitment. It was a statement of truth, of personal commitment. And it's said with confidence, it's uh, declared with uh, a sense of being sure and not wavering, not doubting whatsoever. It's a statement of truth. It's who we are. We are proclaiming the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the shedding of his blood for the remission of our sins until he comes back again. That is great news. We need to be reminded of that often. But truth is like that. It's a declaration. It's a statement. It's a proclamation. We are heralds of the truth. And Jesus with these parables was teaching kingdom truths. These were statements of truth brought about in parables. An earthly story of daily living to illustrate a heavenly truth. Jesus, if you note... As we will read, did not ask his disciples what they thought or how they felt about what he told them. Imagine that. What did you get out of it? How do you feel about this? He didn't do that. He doesn't do that with us today. It's just simply true. This morning we're taking a look at some parables that explain what is true. How the Christian is to speak what is true. How God gives the increase or the growth of the planted word in a person's heart. And the fact that Satan is around and his only goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. This is how things work. If you ever wondered, as far as the church is concerned and how it works, look no further than the Word of God. We know that this is how things work. One of the things that we'll see here is how it is that God reveals. And in that revealing of the truth, what He demands from us is always... A response. It's always when you come together and the word is taught, it is revealed in your heart and you are gaining understanding or correction or encouragement, and it demands this a response from you individually and from us as a church corporately. When you know how things work, you are equipped and better prepared to navigate through this life as a believer with greater confidence in what is true. 
acting on what is true, as you trust in God's word and hold fast to the hope of God and his promises with unwavering faith. As, as we gain strength, as far as our faith is concerned, we exercise that uh, as we were at a conference uh, for a couple days. It was a leadership conference at Calvary Chapel Downey. And one of the things that was brought up is um, how it is that faith is something that uh, the, the strength of our faith increases as we use it. Uh, kind of like a, a muscle only gains strength through use. And it requires this. Anyone ever lift at all? Or lifts now? You want to admit it? Okay. You guys understand? Lifting weights is this thing that we do uh, to gain strength. And All right, let's stand up and greet one another. <laughs> you, you know what the, the key is to getting results? It's proclaiming, it's declaring that you have strength, not. It's, it's having the best intentions about going to the gym. Name it and claim it and you got it. No, not that either. What is it? You know what it is? It's going and acting upon those things that you desire to do. Act them. And it, and it requires this. It requires weight. And it requ requires time under tension. So if you want to get stronger, consistently work with that. Put some weight on those bars and lift it up and the slower you go down and the slower you go up is uh, an increased amount of time that your muscles are under tension and you will build strength. It's the same thing with faith. Faith without works is dead. If you don't exercise what you declare, what you know, it does you no good and you will be weak. In your faith, you will not know how to act in those times when it is necessary for you to act in faith. Our faith increases as we use that faith, as we act on our faith. When you know how things work, there's no surprises. Within the church, within your marriage, Outside in your workplace, in your neighborhood, with friends and family, all of that. It's not a surprise. Because we've been warned, we've been told, we've been taught how to handle those things. And this is how things work. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 
Verse 26, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Heavenly Father, we know that this is how it works. Lord, you are not putting this word into our hearts that it may be subjective, Lord. It's not, it's not relative to uh, or subjective to the days in which we're li living in or just changing. Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, Father, help us to understand what we have before us this morning that we would be more consistent in our walk with you, knowing that you are faithful, knowing how to handle things in the moment, whatever they may be. Give us wisdom, I pray. Father, you desire that we would know how to navigate through life in a manner that reflects your wisdom a hope in you, and a faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, speak to us, teach, teach us this morning, and help us, Lord, to learn how to apply this, that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, <clears throat> three things that we're going to see this morning. First of all, the Christian speaks the truth. Secondly, God gives the increase. And thirdly, Satan seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's begin with the first few verses there, beginning in verse 21. The Christian speaks the truth. Revelation and response. I, I, I had referred to that earlier. Revelation and response is what we see in the first couple verses, first few. Verse 21 says, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, James 2.17 says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Uh, remember, I, I gave you the illustration of working out in the muscle. If you don't use a muscle, there's this thing called atrophy. And it weakens, and pretty soon you just have a dead muscle. It's just there. And it's not, it's not of any value whatsoever to hold you up or 
for your body to function the way it should function. So also faith by itself. If it does not have works, it's dead. It's dead. I think about certain people when I think about faith. People who have persevered, who've never quit. Yesterday we had Don McClure. He just had surgery on his shoulder. Shoulder replacement surgery. He was there with the sling. He had gotten off of his pain meds two days earlier. He just had surgery four days ago. Four days. Imagine that. Shoulder replacement. Nothing light. Right? He was there in a sling. Going through scripture and teaching teaching us out of Joshua chapter 6. 75 years old. I think of people like Jim and June Hesterly. They've gone through so much, experienced so much. And yet, there are a couple who've stepped out on faith. They've been consistent. Not without troubles, but consistent. Their faith is strong and it serves to encourage us. A revealing of God's word and a deepening of our understanding demands a response. So Jesus, first of all, reveals just a very basic truth to them. Something that is a no-brainer. It should be a no-brainer, right? This is a very basic daily reality that Jesus is using to reveal a heavenly truth. By the way, this parable is also recorded in Matthew, in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. And we know as far as today is concerned, so it's, it's repeated three times. Matthew, Mark, Luke. But lamps, are, are they still in use today? Yeah, right? Lighting is very important in a home, in and on your car, so that others may see you coming. I think with all this light, like all this, the city light, I was thinking the other day, man, I could just turn off my lights and just cruise through town, through the city on the freeway. In fact, it was on Friday night, we were coming back from uh, Downey, and we were coming up to 60, and I was thinking, and I said this out loud, why do they have so many lights? There's a section of the 60 to where it seems like they have those like street lights. Every, it seems like every 10 feet, but I know going 90 miles an hour, they seem like that, but, <laughs> but they're, they're farther space, right? They just turn them off and just cruise, but then that'd be dangerous because then maybe others would not see my gray truck. But lighting is very important. It's important in your workplace. A lamp is lit, it's brought into a room, and it illuminates everything, like with these lights here that we have. It illuminates. You can read your Bible and see each other. A light is used so that one may see where things are. Navigate safely through the room, avoiding things that could trip you up that are on the floor and going around things that are in the way. The lamp simply does this. It reveals what is there. 
In much the same way, God's word is light. It is truth, and it reveals what is reality. God's word is reality. Not what we make it to be, but it is as God has stated it to be. That is reality. What there is to avoid and where things are that you need to reach toward. What to use. What to avoid. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How is that? It's because as you've stored God's word in your heart, it serves to reveal what is true, what is reality. If you have not stored it up, in other words, if you have not received it and kept it and believe it and, and rely on it, and trust it to reveal what is true. If you haven't done that, then it doesn't serve for you. It doesn't serve you for anything. It's just you have the knowledge. That's all it does. But if you've stored it up in your heart, and allow it to show you the reality of life, then it benefits you. Oh, it shows you where you're standing. You look down and you realize, I'm in the wrong place or I'm in the right place. And then it allows you to look forward and know in which direction to step. Well, I believe I should go that way. Well, it doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what God's word says. Well, I feel like going that way. It doesn't matter. It may be the wrong way, even though you feel like going in that direction. God's word, hidden in our hearts, at the right time, this is wisdom, it's the right application of God's word, knowing how to use it. And then you look down and then you look forward, oh, that's the, that's the path that I should take. That is the right path. God's word serves as the truth that serves to bring awareness of what is reality. And it is not to be hidden, but to be placed high above everything in our lives. Can you imagine if all of these lamps were on the ground? They're on. It's like, well, that's weird. You know, you come into a church, it's all dark, but you see this little glow coming from like the bottom of these wires and these things that are laying on the ground. Wouldn't that be odd? Where is a light to be placed in a room in order for the room to be fully illuminated? As high as possible, right? That's what would happen with a lamp that was brought in. It would be placed on a lamp stand high above everything else. And just as a lamp is brought into a room to be placed on a stand above all else so that all is seen... The word is to be placed above all in our lives so that everything in our lives is seen for what it really is. It serves us good in marriage as we have the truth holding it preeminent over our marriage. It reveals things for what they are. We're better for it. We can confess of some things and walk down that path that the Lord is illuminating according to his word, and do that. But when the lights are off, 
You bump into things. You grope for the wall. You feel your way around without knowing exactly what is before you. Listen, sometimes it's painful. Just ask a mom or a dad who's gotten up in the middle of the night, not realizing that there's Legos on the floor and stepped on them. That is the most painful thing that you can experience. Listen, God did not provide his truth to be hidden or kept secret, just as a lamp is not lit to be covered, just in the same way. Verse 23 says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If, if, you have, if you're here, you desire to hear, you will hear what is being taught, what, what is said in the word. Then there's this response. Verse 24 says, And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What is revealed demands a response. Twice Jesus said to listen well. Verses 23 and 24. Listen well. You have ears to hear, you need to hear. Pay attention to what you hear. What is true? God's word is to be read, understood, and applied. Read, understood, and applied. This is a very simple and yet profound truth that is neglected in many ways because of pride, being self-centered, not really putting God or his word first, and definitely not considering when we don't consider others more than ourselves. When we do this, those simple things, what we're doing is we're denying that which God desires for us to walk out. There's a, a revealed truth. It's laid on the table. And then it's up to us whether we respond one way or the other, whether we reject it or we receive it. If you doubt that, pay attention to how you respond to situations and how you are applying truth, that is God's word, or neglecting to apply it fully. Um, <clears throat> you know, 1 Corinthians, um, what is, that? is it 1533? Uh, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. We can test these things out. We really can. We, we can insist that it doesn't apply to us, and yet it is true. And, and that's why as parents, when we tell our children, listen, bad company corrupts good morals. And then, and then our younger ones insist on doing that anyway, or we do. We think, oh, we can hang out with them and not be influenced by them. Uh, okay, well, test it out. See what happens. Pay attention to what you hear. It says here, measure for measure. C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, The hearer of the gospel will get measure for measure, and the measure shall be his own measure. It's interesting. What this means is that you will reap what you sow. That's, 
the, the basic meaning of this. You will reap what you sow. Indifferent to the word of God, no consistent reading and no interest in, in sermons, no interest in hearing the truth in general. But on the contrary, if you desire to hear the word, read the word, study the word, and consistently apply the word, you'll be entrusted with more. But not only that, but you'll experience some things that you had never known before. You will receive more understanding, more faith, more hope, more peace, clarity of mind. You, you want to you have the right thoughts Get your eyes on the Word of God, what is right. You begin to realize how much God loves you and how it is that we ought to respond to just life, the things that happen. We, we get to a place to where we do respond to things like Don McClure does. I can look to him. I was thoroughly encouraged yesterday. Why? Because he's steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. All right, so I had surgery. I teach in four days. So, what do I do? Do, do we cancel? Uh, I'm not going to be up to it. No. It's just part of life. What do you do? <laughs> Sling it up. And you know what? Put a chair behind me just in case I need to sit down. And that's what he had. He never sat down. But he had a high chair behind him. Things, you get to a point to where just things don't move you. It's just like part of life. It's part of the church. You know, we have pastors quitting. Maybe because they haven't been called. Or maybe because they're relying on the flesh and not on the spirit. Listen, this, this is the toughest work I've ever engaged in. Second to none. Like this, this is it right here. But it's something that God's called me to. And I trust in him, not by might, nor by my power, but by his spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so we trust in him. We persevere. We keep going. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And then in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap. At just the right moment we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That, may, that means we ought to prefer, prefer each other. Showing love and respect to outsiders, but, but even more so as we gather together. The duty of a Christian, listen to this, is to speak the truth. Has the truth been revealed to you? Then speak it. You have an obligation to speak what is true. That which you have come to know. 
But to the one who neglects to hear and apply what he knows, even what he has, listen, this is the warning, even what he has will be taken away. The talents. The parable of the talents. We we don't have time to go into that. But to the one who just buried it and didn't do anything with it, what happened to that? Taken away. Give it to the one that has ten. It's a warning. That person who neglects to hear and apply God's word, even what he has will be taken away. He will be blinded, being self-deceived, and he will have allowed Satan to steal what he once had. The Christian speaks the truth and God gives the increase. Verse 26, and he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus continues by giving them this parable about a farmer. Again, a very familiar daily reality for them in that day. The farmer simply prepares the field, adds the seed, waters the seed, and then says he, he goes mimis. He goes down. He goes to sleep. You see, the farmer has done all that he can do. He can't make the seed grow. Sometimes we want to we make the seed grow. We, we can't make the seed grow. <laughs> we can't do it. Notice that the farmer, it doesn't describe him as being anxious, filled with worry, doubt. None of that. Because none of that would help out. The farmer knew he had no power to make the seed grow. The question is, what causes life from come to, to come, from rise up from, from a dead seed? It's, it's dead. It's dry. I know because I've left it out outside of water for how long? Sometimes you can leave a seed out a couple years, three years, four years. That is amazing that this seed, after all that time, of not having water, not having anything. You can put it in the ground, and then voila, there it is. A plant is growing. But listen, the farmer loses no sleep trying to figure that out. He simply trusts that what is true is simply true, and he goes to sleep. In much the same way, a person simply spreads a seed that is God's word, And God will give the increase. That's a relief for anyone who is teaching God's word, whether it be in children's ministry or behind a pulpit, or at work, or at school, or anywhere. It's not the eloquence of the preacher that brings about the increase. It's not not the, the manner in which it is presented. It is the word of God. You just plant the seeds. Just spread it out. Sow the seeds. We have nothing to do with the growth. Only with sowing it. And so we are partners with the Lord in that sense. But God has everything to do with its growth. A few of my favorite verses. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Thank God for that. It's like, man, I, 
I again am encouraged by that and find rest in that. Verse 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in in the thing for which I sent it. Listen, when the grain is ripe, the seed is grown and produced, as we learned last week, 30, 60, 100 fold. And it benefits everyone. It's harvested. The point of this parable is to understand that God gives the increase. We are simply responsible for sowing the seed of God's word into people's hearts. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 36, this is an example of that. As the apostle Peter, he's preaching to the multitudes on the day of Pentecost. And at the conclusion of his sermon to the multitudes... In verse 36, he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. It was revealed. With the revealed truth, what is necessary at that point is a response. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So 3,000, there were more, but 3,000 of them responded to what was revealed. It was at that point that they received the word, and they acted. They responded. They did what they were called on to do. They repented. Peter simply sowed the seeds of the gospel. And God brought the increase. And that day, there is a great harvest. God wants to do a great harvest in our lives daily. He wants the seed that is planted in your heart to sprout, to come about and to be fruitful. That every day that there may be something to offer him. Something that is worth offering to him. The Christian speaks the truth. God gives the increase. And finally, Satan seeks to steal, steal kill, and destroy. Verse 30, uh, 30, it says, And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. 
You know, Jesus wanted his disciples to know the truth about the kingdom of God and how things work until he made all things new. There will come a day when all things will be made new. But he wanted them in the moment to be fully prepared. Prepared for war. Prepared for what is at hand. Aware and able to fight against the schemes of the devil. You know, in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul writes this. And this is to the church in Ephesus. Verse 26, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. At that point, he, has, he had sown the seeds. You see, the pastor from the pulpit, if he is teaching the whole counsel of God, he's doing the very same thing that the Apostle Paul had done in Ephesus in that day. He said, hey, listen, you've been taught the whole counsel of God. <laughs> it's all on you. I'm going to warn you. This is what he said. Pay careful attention to yourselves. And to all the flock, to yourselves, the individual, and the whole flock. Pay attention. In which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, it says in verse 31, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. The Apostle Paul at that time, he had, he had declared the gospel. He had given the, the whole counsel of God's word. It was a labor of love. He laughed with them, cheered with them, cried with them. It was a worthwhile but difficult work. Jesus said in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You know, you know in those two verses, and sometimes we just read verse 8, or we have committed it to memory. But we need to understand that as we resist him, firm in our faith, we also need to consider knowing that all kinds of suffering, the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by our brothers, you know, like across the way here in other places of Riverside, of the United States, of our state, in the world. It's the same things. Nonetheless, be sober-minded, be watchful, because the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion because he wants to destroy you. And then in Matthew, Matthew chapter 10,
Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. This again is, is Jesus speaking. This is where he sent his disciples out. Sometimes we think that perhaps Christianity is something that, uh, you know, we won't experience any troubles whatsoever. And the work that we're given to is, is going to be like, just, there's not going to be any trouble. It's just going to, just open door after open door. It's just nothing but what we perceive as blessings, right? And, uh, and just every, everything will be fine. No, listen, <laughs> Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Wait a minute, Jesus sent his disciples out? As sheep among wolves? That's how it's going to be. I'm just telling you. You're going to go out as sheep among wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver you, deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? It's all in the preparation. Brothers and sisters, it's all in the preparation. If you are not prepared for difficulties in your life, you will fail time and time again. For he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Pay close attention. Jesus was preparing his disciples and Paul was warning his brethren to be prepared because what began small, that is the church, will grow enormously. And it will have within it those who are sheep, but also those who are goats. It'll have wheat, and it'll have tares. It'll have sound teachers, and it'll have false teachers. It'll have true, genuine brothers and sisters. It'll have false brothers and sisters. One day, they will be separated and will be judged but for the time, they are among us, and they serve Satan and his work. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, 
For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. That's the response, right? There's no response. Just as Janus and Jambres opposes Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. God has a way of revealing things. Again, if you... Place the word high above. It is preeminent in everything. It'll reveal what is true and what is false. It'll reveal the reality. What's exposed? What will be exposed? Liars, dividers, destroyers, twisters of the word, those who have the appearance of godliness but deny its power, underminers that are constantly working to do the work of their Father and undo the work of our Father in heaven, to steal the word from you, sow seeds of discord and division and eventually kill your faith and destroy your soul. You think this is a game? It is no game. You want to know why there's difficulties within the church, within the bride of Christ? Check your heart, okay? It is not a game. This, this is not a time to get together and me pump you up and you go out just all excited about how God is going to give you everything. And, wrong. Not it. The enemy can use you, if you allow him to, to do a work that undermines the very work of Jesus Christ in his bride. Imagine, that's why we need to be humble before God. You, you think you're, you're exempt from that? No, no, I am not exempt for that, from that. I, I am not exempt for that, from that. Remember the brethren is to demonstrate, the brothers, the uh, brothers and sisters, the children of God, are to demonstrate that, that we belong to Jesus as we love one another. Not undermine one another. Not bring down the bread of Christ. Listen, Jesus did not mince words when it came to people like this. He did not, neither should we. From the pulpit, we should, we should be straightforward and say it just as it is, not being fearful of man. I'm fearful of God. I'm afraid that I'm not going to warn you. That I fail to warn you and you think something different. You believe something different. Jesus did not mince words. In John chapter 8 verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came down from God and I am here I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. 
for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever's of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Oh, wow. That comes from little old loving Jesus. I thought he was so like gentle and lowly. Like, no. The strongest of men and women are those who stand on the truth. Period. Come what may. Again, if there are pastors behind the pulpit and they're not willing to call things out for what they are, they have no business being in the pulpit. This is the reality of the church. This is how things work. So if you were looking for the perfect church, fail. You won't find it no matter where you go because we're all imperfect and Satan is always trying to fool others into thinking it has no power. But we know this, the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. And with that, I stand with confidence. I stand with confidence. And I just, until the day I go home to be with the Lord, may God pour his grace out upon me and fill me with his spirit that I may never, never move and be found faithful at the trump, at the last call when I am home to be with him. Until then, may we be consistent in our walk with him and our service of him in walking out what we know to be true. What we went through here, this is how things work. Pay attention to what you hear. He said, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. There were some who understood. They understood the parables. But he took his disciples off to the side and he explained to them. You know, this is what the Lord calls us to do. We're explaining the parables, the very things that we have before us. When you know how things work, you are equipped and better prepared to navigate through this life as a believer. With greater confidence in what is true, acting on what is true as you trust in God's word and hold fast to the hope of God's promises with unwavering faith. And that's what God desires of us. And so we commit ourselves to him once more. We ask that he would help us in that. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you laid all out. Lord, there's nothing held back. We have received everything that we need for life and godliness is found in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I ask, Lord, that if, as we were going through this, I I can't help but think, Lord, that there may be some of us here that perhaps have not heeded your word. 
We have been walking in compromise. I pray, Lord, that you would convict the heart, that we may respond as you reveal those things to us. Because your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I also ask, Lord, that if there's anyone here that has not surrendered their lives to you, just as Peter had preached on the day of Pentecost, so it is that we're here and we know that our sin separates us from you. And that if we just confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, knowing that we have salvation in no one else, but only through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If there's anyone who has not surrendered their lives to you, today they would know forgiveness. They would know your grace. And they would be called your children as they simply cry out to you, confess their sins, repent of their sins. And from this day on, they are sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day in which they go and see you face to face. Whatever it is that you're doing this morning, Father, I pray that we would simply surrender and receive that. So we thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.